0: This is the best Bible study I've ever been through as well, Experiencing God. And I'm happy to share this with you again. Someone asked me, hey, didn't we do, you know when's the last time we did that Experiencing God series uh, from the platform? It's been 10 years. Can you believe that? I mean, I can't even believe I can think back that far. So those of you who have started to come to SEC, um. this decade, uh, this will all be brand new stuff. If you've, if you've been through the class experience of God, this will be a great refresher for you. For those of us who are going through this material for the first time, I just got to tell you, this is really one of, those, one of those times. If you'll grab your outline and you'll open it up, we're talking about how to know and do God's will in our life. And you'll notice I've got several things in a, in a graphic there on your program to kind of fill in, um, and then I'm going to ask you to fill in some extra stuff that I didn't have any, any extra space to uh, make some extra blanks. And those of you who are joining in online, I want to welcome you. If you want to come and visit, in, when you're ready to come back, or maybe you're just on vacation and, and watching online, I want to say thanks. Uh, this is a series that I'm going to challenge you to be here every single week or to tune in online every week or to go back and make up um, if you miss one. Because over the next eight weeks as we explore how to know and do God's will, I'm hoping this series, first of all, it's going to convince us that finding God's will is probably the most important thing that we can do or to seek in our lives. Because God's will for our life leads us to our best life. You want to live your best life? God's will, God's plan for your life is your best life. And I believe this series helps us to learn how to live out God's presence in our life. In other words we will experience him in our lives on a daily, even a moment-by-moment basis. Um, So I want to encourage you to come. It gives us kind of a radical new way to look at how God works in our life so that we don't miss his activity in our lives. And whether we need to know, I mean, we all want to know God's will, whether we need to know God's will for the big decisions in life, like should I take this job or I'm at a crossroads or a fork in, in, in my path, which way do I go? um should i make a change should i stay in this relationship get out of this relationship those kind of big decisions you know what city should i live in should i relocate kind of decisions what should my career be big decisions all the way down to the little decisions like should i should i invest some time at lunch today with a coworker because you know i can sense that he or she's going through some stuff having a difficult time this is a series where we can discover what god wants to do with our lives and through our lives so that we can make the very best decisions the better decisions we make the fewer regrets that we have and I want to invite you over the next eight weeks to kind of join us for this spiritual adventure um, there's a, a full-blown Bible study called experiencing God if you ever get a chance to take that take that it was very life-changing in my life and there's also kind of a an abridged version of that study called the Seven Realities. In fact, I'm going to take my two small groups through the Seven Realities steps starting in March, and I know Pastor Rich might do, his, do that with his small group, and several others have asked me, hey, could, could we tag on uh, for that? So if you're a small group leader and you're interested, see me, see Pastor Rich. We'll help you uh, connect with uh, the materials that you need um, if you want to uh, kind of review this with your small group as well. So as we come out, especially as we come out of the 40 Days of Community, if you've started a 40-day group and you decide, hey, we want to stick together or we want to meet every other week or whatever you want to do, um, we can help you with some materials uh, for that. Each Sunday, um, Pastor Rich and I are going to unpack one of these seven realities of experiencing God, these seven basically biblical truths that we can apply to our life. And when we apply these to our lives, it helps us to see God's activity in our life and to join him and ultimately to get to know God in a new way, in a much deeper way. So let's start with this first verse. It's actually the verse that Kristen mentioned um, during the worship set. It comes from John chapter 15. Anytime we're in the middle of John, and we're in chapters like 14, 15, 16, that's the night that Jesus was betrayed. That's the night before he went to the cross. So one of the very last things that he's teaching his disciples is this, this deep teaching from... John 15. And in verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He says, when you're connected to me, great. You're connected to God's will in your life, you're connected to God's presence and God's power in your life. But just like the branch that's separated from the vine is gonna eventually wither and die, it's useless. When we are separated from Jesus, there's no way it's impossible for us to know God's will for our life. It's impossible to know what God wants us to do if we're not connected to Him and abiding in Him. We can't experience God's presence, we can't experience God's power. We can do we can do, as Jesus says, nothing. Jesus says, if you want to know God's will for your life, it starts with me, Jesus says. He says, you have to have a relationship with me. I am the key to finding God's will for your life. So today I want to kind of set the foundation for this entire process. I want to show you kind of the first steps to knowing and doing the will of God. Four basic adjustments that we have to make in our own lives or in our own mindset Four adjustments that we have to make to know and do the will of God. These are four basic steps, I would call them. And they're going to help us to personally experience God and discover his will for our life. So in this series, the first step in knowing and doing the will of God to prepare us for what God wants to do in our life, if you'll write this down, number one, I have to pursue a relationship instead of a religion. I pursue a relationship instead of a religion. Maybe you've never heard this before, but Christianity is not about religion. Some people say, well, what religion are you? I'm a Christian. Christianity is a religion we study when we're studying the religions of the world. But the reality is Christianity is not a religion at all. It's about a relationship with a person. It's a real personal relationship with Jesus, and it's about creating with God our Creator. Uh, connecting with God, our Creator. In the New Testament, a, a young man approaches Jesus one time, and he asks probably one of the most important questions that's ever been asked of Jesus. And Jesus answers it in, in a couple of the Gospels. Um, the young man, and probably a question that we also should ask or have asked. Jesus is there. He comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Could you boil this all down? Me. What is the most important? I need a guiding principle for my life. I need a principle that I can I can work my life through, that I can live my life by. What's the one thing that if I don't if I don't get anything else, what's the one thing I can't miss? And that I should focus on above all else. What's the most thing, most important thing I can't lose sight of? And Jesus answers him in Matthew twenty two, verse thirty seven and thirty eight. Jesus, it's called the Great Commandment. Because Jesus named it that. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus says, Above all else, what God wants from us is he wants us to love him above everyone else and anyone else and anything else in life. God wants us to love him. Now, here's what I want us to see. There's a big difference between religion and relationship because religion is about rules and following them following rules but a relationship is about love experiencing god's love for us and then returning that love for him it's love versus rules a religion is about how you have what you have to do in order to earn God's love. But a relationship is all about what Jesus has already done on the cross for us to prove that God already loves you. A religion is trying to draw close to a distant God. A relationship is about loving a God who's already come close, drawn close to you. God wants a real relationship with you. And it's through this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ that God's going to reveal his will for our lives. And then as you begin to live out God's will, you come to know God in a much deeper, a deeper way. And he does things in your life that only he can do that you look at your life. and You go, well, obviously, that's God that did that. God intersected with my life. God did that. That wasn't me. That was God. And we experience his presence and his power in our lives. And we can't experience his presence and his power in our lives apart from that relationship with Jesus. Hosea 6.6 says it this way. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. In other words... God is saying, I want a real relationship with you. I don't want you to just go through the motions, the religious motions, the rituals of religion. The end goal in Christianity isn't to have more rules to follow. It's for us to have a life-changing encounter with our Creator. And our relationship with God is the most important part of discovering God's will for our lives. Without the relationship from God, we're kind of separated like the vine from the uh, from the branch. Without the relationship with God, we're going to miss what he wants to do through our life, what he wants us to do in life. So when he's trying to talk to us, and God is always trying to talk to us, we're going to talk about that. We won't be able to recognize his voice if we don't have a relationship with him, if we don't have a close relationship with him, because there's no relationship there. And often, through life, we find ourselves kind of getting lost. And sometimes that's what brings people back to church. We had so many new families in the first service, maybe some new families here today, out in the pavilion or even in here who's saying, you know, like, like many of us do in desperation, sometimes we get to that place where, where we have a choice to make. We're at a, a fork in the road, or we're at an intersection of several, several roads, and we don't know which one is the best, the best path. So we say, God, I, I, I'm lost. I, I need your direction. If you'll just show me, kind of, you'll give me a pointer of which path to take. If you'll just give me a map. If you'll just, if you just write down the next 35 steps, then, you know, I won't bother you anymore, Lord. Just, just, just show me. Which way to go, set me on a course, and, and, I, and I'll leave you alone. And we talk to God that, that way sometimes. God, God looks at us and He says, Listen, listen, listen. You don't need a map, you need you need me. I'm going to be your personal guide. If you were lost in the woods, think about it, if you're lost in the jungle, you're out on, you know, survivor land. And, um,. And you don't know where to go, and you don't know how to get back. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a map? Or would you rather have a personal guide who knows that terrain, who knows that land like the back of his hand, and he just said, hey, follow me, I'll lead you to civilization, I'll lead you to safety. That's what God's saying. God's saying, I'm better than a map. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll guide you. You can follow me one step at a time. I'll lead you to where we're going. I'll lead you to safety. In fact, if you have a guide with you, you don't even really have to know where you're going. You just follow him, and, and he'll get there. Because that's kind of what we want to know. We want to know, well, where am I going to be 40 years? We don't even have to know the path to get there. God's like, you just follow me day by day, step by step. We'll get you exactly where you need to be. You don't need religion. You need a relationship. We don't need a map. We need a guide. You don't need more rules. You need Jesus. And if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus at the end of our service um, today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that, to start a relationship with God through his son Jesus, because you'll never know God's will for your life. Until you first know God. In fact, if you, if you came to me and you didn't know Jesus and you're don't you you're not a Christian or believer yet, you say, what is God's will? How do I find God's will for, your, for my life? How do I know? I can tell you, number one, the number one thing that God has a will for your life, to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, to have a relationship with him. That's number one. How do I know that? That's what Jesus said. It's the greatest commandment. God wants you to accept his son, Jesus, as your Savior and Lord and follow him. That's the first part of God's will for your life. We want to know, do I take this job? God's like, uh, back, back, back up a little bit. The most important thing is you find my son. Then I'll help you, step by step, navigate through life. Now, these are the foundational adjustments that I need to make. And the first step to knowing God's will is stop pursuing a religion and start pursuing a relationship. And then number two. The second adjustment or step that I need to make to find God's will is I've got to ask the right question. I've got to ask the right question. And this is critical because if you're anything like me, you want to know God's will for your life, but it's confusing, man. Why is it so confusing to find God's will for our lives? Why? Well, it's because there's so many voices in the crowd. And a lot of people speak for God. Have you you discovered that? There are plenty of people who say, God wants you to do this. God wants you to, to, to do that. There's a lot of people who speak for God. And there's a lot of people that they give their opinion of what they think you should do in life. There's a lot of confusion about this. And it's because we end up there's so many voices in the crowd that it that it drowns out God's soft voice and we can sometimes miss it and we also miss it when we ask the wrong questions or we look for the answers in all the wrong places you know like looking for love in all the wrong places you can look for answers in all the wrong places and it leads to confusion it leads to stress it leads to bad decisions it leads to disappointment leads to frustration there's at least four unreliable at least four unreliable voices that we often listen to i didn't give any blanks to fill but there's plenty of extra white space there some of you should write these down these are the unreliable sources at least four of them of knowing god's will here's the first one my own wisdom we will not find god's will in our own wisdom It's when we say, I'm going to figure this out. It's when we say, I'm going to plan out my life the way I want to have it. I'm going to make my plan. And I want to do it my way. I did it my way. You know, that's great advice from Elvis and Sinatra. Not. If we let our thinking, our wisdom, our way lead the way, it always leads to a path of emptiness. It's an unreliable source of knowing God's will. Think about it. Some of the You kind of made your own plan, and then you're here, and you're like, how did I get here? Oh, I planned this. I didn't really plan to get here, but I made a plan that led here. And it's because our wisdom doesn't get us there. Another unreliable source is other people. Other people are an unreliable source of discovering God's will for our life. Now, God can use other people to help give us direction, and we're going to talk about that later in the series in just a few weeks. But if it's the primary source, if we're always going to other people and we're saying to them, hey, what should I do with my life? Then they become the guide and they become the God of our life. We're Letting them be the guide and the God and direct us instead of getting our direction, clear direction, and from listening to God. Another unreliable source is open doors and and favorable circumstances. Letting open doors or favorable circumstances direct our life. I hear this all the time. People say, well, God opened that door. So that must be what God wants me to do, or will God close that door? So that must be what God—he doesn't want me to do. You know, sometimes we pray that way: God, if if this isn't Your will, just shut the door so I don't get the financing for the Lamborghini. You know, kind of a thing. It's like, well, God didn't shut the door. It's God's will, right? Maybe, or is it the salesman's will, <laughs> or is it my selfish will? Nothing against you Lamborghini drivers, you know, but they aren't very comfortable. They're not built for a guy like me. So here's your problem with open doors, closed doors as a way of navigating life and ending up with the, be- the best version of your life. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that your enemy, the devil, Satan, he can open doors and close doors too. Oh, nobody told me this. But you think about it. How many times did you go through an open door? You thought, oh, this has to be God's will. The door's open. And you think back now, that was not God's will. I know for sure that was a mistake. And I might have blamed God uh, for it in, in the beginning. That Oh, God led me to do this. He, The door was open. Or I didn't go through that door because it was closed. Here's the thing. Sometimes... There's a closed door, and God wants you to knock that door down. And sometimes there's an open door, and God says, no, 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 don't go through that door. God wants us to follow him as a guide. I mean, we're like following God step by step, and there's an open door there. And we're like, see you, God, I'm going through that. It's got to be your will. It's an open door. God's like, I wasn't going through that door. Don't go through that door. If we do that. We end up letting our life be directed by chance or by the wrong thing instead of learning to listen to God's voice, which is what he's interested in. Why? Because he wants that relationship with us. Fourth unreliable source for God's will is other spiritual sources. I've talked to a lot of people who they read their horoscope every day. Or, and they let that govern decisions they make. Or they read the, the meme of the day on Facebook. Man, that won't get you to a good place. Or Or they'll spend money and go get their palm read by someone who supposedly can tell them their future. They don't know the future. Nobody knows the future. God's the only one who knows the future. In fact, I told you that at the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody's like, what are we going to do? What's going on? What's going to happen? What what about and what about? It's like nobody knows what's going to happen. Have you learned that by now that just like I told you, I told you straight up March two years ago, the government doesn't know what's going to happen. We've proven that. The health, you know, the CDC and health, officials they don't know what's going to happen. We've proven that. Of course they don't. They're just humans like we are. Nobody knows the future. Nobody on the planet can tell you the future. But God knows the future. Why don't we ask him? And he wants to give us wisdom. That's the next verse I'm going to read you. And then sometimes people will pick up, you know, they hear about the newest spiritual book. You know, it's just, oh, it's, it's helped some, some celebrity or it's helped some athlete or it's helped, you know, some guru or some business icon. And, oh, man, this, this book on spirituality was the best book I've ever read. And you download the book or you go order the book from Amazon. And you're like, oh, man, the first, I read the first 50 pages, Pastor, in, in one day. And I'm like, yeah, don't read the book that stood thousands of years of testing time. Read the newest book from somebody you never heard of. And when we look to those books, or we look to the palm reader, or we look to, you know, some crazy horoscope or something, no wonder we end up making decisions that don't lead us to our best life, to the best version of ourselves. Here's what you got to understand, what we all have to understand. Maybe, maybe, maybe here today, you're watching, and you've been having a difficult time really knowing what God wants you to do. You feel like God's will is like hidden from you. Like there's some shell game going on. And I keep looking, but I can't ever find God's will. You're probably looking and listening in the wrong places. Because here's what I can tell you about God's will, the truth about God's will. God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. He wants us to know it. God's will is not a maze you have to figure out. It's not a test that you have to, to pass. God's will is not some algebra problem. You don't have to know common core math to figure out God's will. God's will, he wants to tell you, and he wants to tell you in a way that you can understand. So what is the problem? Well, the problem is James 1.5. You, and you know I've read you this book. We went all the way through James at the beginning of the pandemic, verse by verse, slowly. I think we were in James for like 30 weeks. Longest series in the history of our church, just waiting for the pandemic to end. And like, okay, we're running out of James. This still isn't ending. But look at this verse, cause I, and I know you all practice this already every day. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Yes. How many of us, we've been asking God for wisdom every single day since the beginning of the pandemic when we said this? Yeah, me neither. See, the problem most of the time isn't that God's not revealing his will to me. It's just that I'm not listening. Or he's speaking to me, and I miss it. Why do I miss God's will? Oh, I'm distracted. I'm scrolling, or I'm living, or I'm focusing, not on him and not on his will, but on me and my life. That leads us to the question, the wrong question to ask. Let me tell you the wrong question. In fact, let me have you fill this in. Here's the wrong question. It's going to blow your mind because you're going to be like, what? The wrong question is, God, what is your will for my life? What? How can that be the wrong question? Jerry, I've been asking, you're kidding. I've, I've been asking that question. Ever since I've been coming back to church, I've been asking that question. How can this be the wrong question for me to ask? God, what is your will for my life? How can that be the wrong one? Well, when we ask this question, God, what is your will for my life by default? Who is at the center of that question? We are, aren't we? God, what is your plan for me? God, this is about me, It's about my career, it's about my relationship. It's about my, this is my life. Here's what we need to understand. Some of us probably ought to write this down. Here's what we need to understand, probably write down. We are not the center of the universe. Mm, and we never will be. God is. He's the center of the universe, and his plan is much bigger than just us. Now, that, that, that's a humbling statement. God says, if you'll humble yourself, I'll lift you up. God's plan, they're bigger than our plans. His dreams, they're much bigger than our dreams. Our, compared to God's dreams, our dreams are tiny. And God's working at saving the world. Those of you who have been through the story Study you know that god's got the upper story going on he's got his plan going on and then there's this lower story happening Where god intersects with our lives and we become part of his big big plan his upper story plan God is working on eternal plans. He's working to save the world. He wants us to be a part of his big plans But we need to understand that we are not the center of those plans. We are not the center of the story, the main character. God's plans aren't just about us. That's why the right question to ask, the right question is, God, what is your will? Will you fill that in? And look at the difference between those two questions. God, what is your will? Not what is your will for my life. But God, what is your will? period. What is your bigger plan that you're doing in the world around me, God? How can I get in on that? Because that's what I want to be a part of. Not, not just my small plan. Once I see what God is doing, then I know what I need to do. The focus needs to be on God and His plan, not my life and my plan. So I watch, I watch, I watch to see where God is working, what He's doing. And then I give up my plan, and I go and I join God in his plan. Now, next week, we're going to look at a guy in the Bible, a famous guy. You've heard me talk about him before, a guy named Moses. And it's an exciting story when you study the story and the life of Moses because God invites Moses to join him in his plan to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. Now, the Israelites, they had been... Slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God invites Moses to join him in rescuing the Israelites. But here's what we need to understand, and here's what Moses had to learn to understand. That God's plan wasn't centered around Moses. This wasn't God's plan for Moses' life. Much, much bigger plan than Moses. In fact, God was going to rescue the Israelites from Egypt... And then through, it was much bigger than just the Israelites that were being rescued from Egypt because God was going to use them to bring the Messiah into the world, Jesus, who was then going to redeem all of mankind. God's plan isn't about Moses. God's plan is about saving all of us. It's about the cross. That's the big story that God has, the upper story that God has going on. And he had a big, big plan. And he was going to, by the way, he was going to rescue the Israelites from Egypt whether Moses joined in the plan or not. It wasn't about Moses. It was about God's will and what God was doing. And God invited Moses to be a part of something bigger. But this wasn't Moses' plan. Moses' plan was to be a shepherd in the middle of the wilderness. And he was for 40 years. And God said, no, no, no. I don't want you to be a shepherd in the wilderness for another 40 years. In the middle of Midian, Moses, come join me in this big, big plan I'm doing. And Moses became a part of it, and we're still talking about Moses thousands of years later. We're talking about him today. Why? Because this plan wasn't about Moses. This wasn't the story of Moses. It was a story about what God was trying to do. And God used Moses in an incredible way. And I believe that God wants to use some of us. He wants to use all of us in big and little ways that tie in to his upper story, his big plans. But the truth is, God isn't really interested in our plans. God doesn't need us to dream big dreams for him. And that's pretty arrogant when you think about it anyway, isn't it? I mean, like, hey, God, look. I know you probably haven't thought of this, because I've been dreaming of some big, big plans for SCC and for my life. And I just want to help you out, Lord, and let you know what the big plans are. Because obviously you haven't thought of any plans for my life. <laughs> sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? Oh, if it didn't hit so close to home. Um, God has dreams. He has big plans. What he needs us to do is ask the right questions. To put him in the center of the question and then to join him in what he's already doing. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, God says it. He says, Look, my thoughts, nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts, higher. Than your thoughts so my primary concern shouldn't be should not be God. What is your will for my life, but instead God? What is your will? I want to be a part of that the first step to knowing God's will pursue a relationship not a religion Number two the second step ask God. What is your will not? What is your will for my life? Then thirdly this is where it kind of gets fun I've got to recognize where God is at work around me. Will you fill that in? Recognize where God is at work around me. And the reason why I think this, is, this gets fun is because, I mean, honestly, one of the great tragedies of life among followers of Jesus is many of us, we go through life saying, I want to experience God. I want to experience God. I want to know God's will for my life. But then when we encounter God on a day-to-day basis, shh, we miss it. And we don't even recognize him. And once we start learning and applying these principles to our lives, we'll start seeing God at work in our everyday life in big and small ways. And you're going to say to yourselves, how have I been missing this? Why, what have I been, why have I just missed this? Um, don't take my word for this. Jesus is the one who says this. He says in John 5, 517, he says, uh, my father is always working and so am I. That's an easy verse to just skip right through and not even pay attention to. My father is always working and so am I. You know what that means? That means every day of your life, really every moment of your life, God is at work around you. And he is communicating to you. He is talking to you every day, every moment. It's not that he's not working. It's that we're not able to see it. We're not tuned in. We're not aware of his presence in our life. We're not seeing it. Later, just another verse down, verse 19 and 20 of John 5, Jesus continues and says, I tell you the truth. The Son, who's the Son? Jesus the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father's doing. Jesus is saying, I can do nothing by myself. I only do what I see the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son, that's Jesus, I also do. The son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. So Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own. I can't do anything on my own. What I do... Is I do what I see the father doing. And the father loves me. So he shows me what he's doing. So I can do what he's doing. And join him in that. I love this. Jesus. I don't do anything on my own initiative. I only do what I see the father doing. But when I see the father working. I jump in. Immediately. And I join God there. In other words. As we apply this to our life, we're going to see that God is always at work around us. And when God reveals to us that he's at work around us, that's the invitation. We've got to pay attention to where God's at work around us. And when we see him working, we realize that's the invitation for us to jump in and join him. One of the biggest fears I think we have, we're, we're fearful people because we have this fear of making the wrong decision. We're afraid, well, what if I take the wrong job? Or what if I date the wrong person? Or what if I marry the wrong person? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I, 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 I experienced that. What, 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 if I, what if I choose the wrong decision? And, and it paralyzes us. And we get, you know, decision paralysis. Because we're afraid if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to miss God's plan. We feel like I'm the weak link. I'm going to screw this thing up, but that's not how it works. God doesn't say, "Okay, Jerry, here's the map. Here's the next 40 years laid out. Here's the next 144 steps for you to take." Don't mess this up. If you get off, if you get off course, Jerry, you're, you're never going to get to where I want you to be 40 years from now. Don't mess this up. And we feel like I got to interpret this right. I've got to, I've got to work the map right. I've got to. I've got to make all the right decisions because if I get off track, how am I going to get back on track? That's not how God works. God says, no, no, no. I'm not giving you a map. I'm not giving you 144 steps. I'm not giving you the next 40 years. I want you to follow me. Remember, I'm a guide. I'm your God and I'm your guide. I want you to just follow me one day, really one moment at a time. God's walking with you every day. He's inviting you. Every day to join him on kind of a new adventure. Every day with God is an adventure with tons of possibilities. So let me show you how this kind of really works and what we're going to be talking about during this series. You'll see the, uh, the, the diagram that's on your, um, on your outline there. It's just missing one little thing. I'll tell you about it. We're going to show it on the, on the side screen, too, um, as we get to it. And we're going to be coming back to this diagram, this visual Throughout the series. And we're going to teach every Sunday on one of the seven realities of experiencing God. Next week we're going to talk about, uh, starting with number one, how God is at work. How he is always working and he is always at work around us. And we're going to discover that where God is at work around us, as he reveals that to us, is significant. Because he wants me to join in with him. That's in, in two weeks from now, reality number two. We're going to talk about deepening our relationship with God, how God wants to have a love relationship with us as real and personal. And as I get to know God better, I learn to hear his voice clearer. He even says, my sheep hear my voice. They know what I say. And the third reality is the invitation, where we accept God's invitation to join him in what he's doing. And here we're going to learn how you can you can know when God's asking you to do something. And then we're going to get down to number four, which is missing from your um, diagram on your outline. It's there underneath the, uh, the bush, the burning bush there. Um, and that's talked about how we need to learn to listen when God speaks. And we're going to talk about this specifically how to learn how God speaks and what God speaks about, the four ways that God speaks and the three things that God speaks about. And how we've got to learn to tune in and recognize his voice to know what to do. And then we're going to kind of turn the corner. And as we turn the corner, see the first four weeks, the first four realities are about how do I know God's will. But then something, once we hear God's voice, once we know this is his will, it becomes even more difficult. Because number five talks about we're going to end up at a crisis of belief. Whenever we discover God's plan for our life, it's scary. And the reason it's scary is because we're faced with the reality, I can't do this on my own. And you're exactly right. You're going to feel like I, I can't do this. God, you're crazy. You know, I mean not not to say you're crazy, God, but this this is crazy. You know? I can't do this. And God says exactly, you can't do this. You're not the center of the story. God says, Trust me, I'm going to do this through you. And that's like, that's what I said. And I'm like, nope, that's the opposite of what you said. And you said, you can't do this. Of course you can't. But if you'll trust me, I will help you to do what I'm calling you to do. That leads us to a crisis of belief. We'll talk about that. That can be scary. Do I trust God? Then we're going to talk about making adjustment. How I have to adjust my life. To do his will. Once I know his will, I have to adjust. Because here's the thing. We can't stay where we are and go with God where God's going. Sometimes that's what we want to do. We're like, God says, all right, here's what I'm going to go do. Come with me. And we're like, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like comfortable right here, God. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm scared to go that way with you. I'm, I'm going to stay here. So let's just stay here, God. And God's like, well, you can stay here. But you can't follow me and stay here. You can't follow me, go with me, do what I'm doing, and stay there, Jerry. You've got to come with me. So we have to make an adjustment. And then finally, we'll talk about how as we follow God, as we obey, we will experience his will. Um, We're going to get to know him in a deeper way when he does, does that through us or with us. And then he blesses our life even more. Each week is kind of a building block. That's why I'm saying I need you to commit. If you want to know God's will, if you want to know God and know God's will for your life and do God's will for your life, then you need all seven of these realities. They build on each other. So if you're sick on vacation, like I'm going to miss one in the middle um, because we're going to be on a cruise and Pastor Rich is going to be teaching. I'm not even going to tell you which one because, um, you, you know, um, he's going to be up here to you. I'm going to try to get online on the cruise ship and watch live from the ocean, if that's possible. Or if it's not, you know, internet, um, then I'll just download it and I'll catch right up. And you need to do the same thing. If you're not going to be here, watch online. If you can't watch online on Sunday because you've got to work or you're on a cruise or whatever, then, then make sure that you catch back up because these all build on each other. But I know you can do this. You were created for this. And it, it's exciting to live life knowing every day the God of creation is at work in and around me, and he's inviting me to join him in this big upper story that he's doing. Amos 3.7, did you know this verse is even in the Bible? Amos 3.7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servant. Are you kidding me? I told you God wants you to know his will. He even says, I'm not even going to do anything without telling you. The question is, are we going to be tuned in? Are we going to hear it? Are we going to know what to do? So to get started in this process of knowing and doing the will of God, pursue a relationship with God. Ask God, what is your will? Recognize where God is at work. And then number four, I, I adjust my life to God's will. I have to adjust my life. This is why sometimes we know what God wants us to do, but we still don't do it. Because God reveals it to us. He, he invites us to join him, and that always requires change. We can't stay where we are and go with God. Because if we go with God, we've got to make an adjustment. God says you can't stay here unless you're going to follow me. So we've got to adjust our lives. And, and it's like this. We have to allow God to shape us. I love the way this Old Testament prophet Isaiah puts it. Because we can't, we can't have God's best plan for our life unless we're willing to surrender our plan and we're willing to be molded by him. Look what it says in Isaiah 64, 8. It says, "Oh Lord, you are our, fa- you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. When I hear that, when I read that verse, I think I grew up Baptist, so I think of that song, Have Thine own Way. Have thine own way, Lord. In that verse, it says, I am the potter, you are the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. You're the potter, we're the clay, we are formed by your your hands, Isaiah says. In other words, to know and live out God's will for your life, you've got to be moldable. Write down the word moldable somewhere down at the bottom of your outline. You've got to let God form you. You must be the clay in the potter's hand. Think about this. Does the clay look up at the potter and say, hey, 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 wait, wait, potter, potter, Mr. Potter. This is what I want to be. Make me what I want to be. I want you to shape me. That's ridiculous, Right. The clay doesn't speak to the potter and say, no, 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 you're doing this all wrong. The clay doesn't have any say. The potter decides what shape the clay takes form. In fact, when the potter molds the, the clay into this into this vase, does the clay, the clay that's been molded into a vase, does the clay turn to the potter and say, whoa, 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 I'm a clock. I was meant to be a clock. That's crazy, right? You know, the, does the clay turn... I identify as a clock. I, you know, I don't care how you shape me. I'm a clock. That's my plan. That's ridiculous, isn't it? No, it's a potter who determines both the form and the purpose of the clay. And it's the same way with us. The clay has no purpose or shape without the potter. So how foolish it is for us to look at God and say, hey, 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 wait, God, 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 God. No, this is the purpose for my life. God, here's why you created me. There I say, it? God, I identify as this. God is the one who creates each of us. He's the one who has a plan for our, for our life. And God said, here's my plan. Here's my purpose. We don't get to say to God, no, 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 God, this is my plan. This is why you created me. Here's what I want. So what, are we, what is God's response when we tell him who we are? Well, God's response is a lot better than my response would be. Because God is so gentle. He says, my child, I'm your creator. I'm the one who gives you purpose. You have no purpose or shape apart from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't need you to tell me what you want to do. I don't need you to tell me who or what you are. I just need you to surrender to me. Allow me to shape you into the best you for the best life that I have planned for you. I need you to trust me. This is why this takes a relationship. My child, I formed you in the womb of your mother, and I have dreams, I have desires, I have plans and purpose for you. You don't have to come up with your own plan or your own purpose. I have that. You just need to connect with me in a relationship and trust me as I guide you through life. See, God loves you, and he creates. He's created you, and he has a plan for you. And a purpose for your life. And he wants you to allow him to mold you and to shape you into the instrument of his choosing. Now you might feel like, well wait a minute, how come he gets to decide? How come he gets to decide I don't get to decide? Because he's God. And without him, you wouldn't have been created. He created you for a plan and a purpose. And then he's going to take your life. And he's going to use your life in a way that through you is bigger than you can even imagine. Just like the clay in the potter's hand. When you make yourself moldable, when you allow God to set the direction, your potential is absolutely limitless. It's sky high. And I believe that God wants to use you in both big and small ways in his plan in an incredible way. God has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. Here's the problem. The only thing standing in the way of God's plan for your life is your plan for your life. And look, maybe you're here today and, and, and you just don't think. You don't believe there's anything significant that can happen through your life. You've bought into this lie that, you know, the belief that says more more than, more. it says more you if you believe there's nothing significant that God could do with your life, it says more about your belief in Him than it does in your belief in you. God well, it basically says, God, I really don't believe that you can do anything significant, something big through my life. But I want you to experience miracles upon miracles, a million little miracles. I want you to believe that God can do big and little miracles in your life and I want you to say yes to God to wherever you see him working and allow him to use you sometimes in some big ways but to do that you have to adjust your life to God are you willing to adjust are you willing to be moldable at least for the next eight weeks in experiencing God so that you can discover God's will for your life and you can know his will for your life if you If you really want to know God's will for your life, it begins with your relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, if you want to know God at all, it only happens through a relationship with Jesus. If you've never connected to Jesus, maybe it's time to say yes to him and get right with God. Jesus is the one who said it this way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This is John 14:6. That's bottom of your outline. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Everyone can come to the Father, but it's through a relationship with me. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me right now? And let this be a time between you and God, because if you're here today and it's maybe it's been a while since you've connected with God, or maybe you've never, maybe a friend invited you, you've never connected with God. Listen, if you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know why you were created, what his purpose is for you, how he wants to use you, it begins with a relationship with God through Jesus. If you've never started that relationship, but you're ready to take a step across that line, you've been coming for a while. then all you have to do is to just say this prayer as I pray it. You just say this in your mind. You don't even have to say it out loud. Say, God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you, and I believe that you created me with a purpose. Can you make that your prayer? God, I believe in you, and I believe you created me with a purpose. And I believe that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so my sins could be forgiven. I believe that. So Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I'm going to follow you from now on. And if you pray that prayer, not only will God secure your eternity in heaven, but He's going to reveal His will for your life. He's going to guide you and direct your steps. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you're not a religion. You're a God of relationship, a God of love. Help us to get to know you through this series better. And experience you, your presence in our life. To know what it's like to be used by you. in your name we pray.